Hold me down, Lord, that I may uplift thee. I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Whether laws or customs, most of us are unwilling to flout or break the rules of society most of the time. Though there probably isn't one among us here who doesn't take liberties when no one is watching or we're unlikely to be caught. I don't know about you, but I've never driven the speed limit unless I see a police car up ahead. Otherwise, it's a steady nine miles over on every highway I drive. But following the rules in public? Well, that's a different story. Though all humans at all times in society have struggled with how to follow the rules and the importance of decorum, Following the rules was never more emphasized than in England during the 19th century and turn of the 20th. Any of us who watched Downton Abbey understand this. Rules, order, expectations shaped people's lives. Breaking any one of the above put oneself outside of community. This was beautifully explored in the BBC adaptation of the novel Cranford. And yes, I'm an English major. This show, this novel turned into a television show, sketches the lives of those in a small town caught in a changing world, struggling to figure out which customs they were still to follow. The town of Cranford is a polite society of mainly women who follow all the rules of decorum and is overseen by two spinster sisters, Deborah and Maddie Jenkins. If you wanted to know what was right and correct and genteel, you looked to them, but especially to Deborah. But their world is turned upside down when Captain Brown and his daughters move into town. Captain Brown is brash. He often shocked this very proper Ms. Jenkins, and he didn't always follow the customs of the town. Still, he becomes loved for his great kindness. While Captain Brown is away, his elder daughter dies, and there was no one from the family to follow the funeral procession through town, as that is something that is proper only for the men of a family. Miss Jessie, the younger daughter, decides to defy tradition, to walk behind the carriage carrying her sister's coffin, a scandal. Though she was warned and given explanations, nevertheless, she persisted in doing this. The community is shocked by this break with decorum and tradition. And the most affecting scene is watching the old Deborah Jenkins, proper and respected guardian of the town's mores, wrestle with what to do. She now loves the Browns, but also deeply values customs and traditions that shape her life and the life of her community. As the funeral procession wends its way through town, followed by a single female figure 
of Miss Jessie draped in black, alone in her grief. Suddenly the door to the Jenkins house opens and Miss Jenkins, also all in black, steps into the street to join the funeral procession, to stand with her young friend in her grief. It's one of the few times I've wept while watching PBS. Miss Jenkins keeps the custom of the funeral procession by reinterpreting it. She keeps the rules, but reshapes them for love. Figuring out how to live within the law, within the customs of our society, means working the law so that it is more than law. I think some of us find Jesus' emphasis on the law here in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount a bit surprising. After all, many Christians draw a false dichotomy between law and grace, between the supposed law of the Hebrew scriptures or Old Testament and the love of the Christian scriptures or New Testament. But that's a real misunderstanding of scripture and of Jesus. After all, just last week we heard Jesus say, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. And boy, does he fulfill them as we continue this week with that same passage. Jesus says, you have heard it said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. Whoever divorces, give a certificate of divorce and you shall not swear falsely. All of those are reasonable commandments. Most of us try hard not to break those laws, though we might cross our fingers while making some promises. We might even pat ourselves on the back at times, congratulating ourselves on our law-abidingness or seeking to make ourselves feel better when we've done something wrong, thinking, even saying, well, at least I've never stolen anything killed anyone, committed adultery. <laughs> but Jesus takes those laws and intensifies them. Don't just refrain from murder, but from anger, from criticizing another. Work swiftly to reconcile with another when there is a conflict, even if you didn't cause it. Don't just refrain from adultery, but from objectifying another by looking at that person with lust. Don't follow just the letter of the law when seeking to get out of a marriage. Marriage is binding. Although I feel the need to say in parentheses that this command is directed at men in society who at that time could divorce their wives for any reason leaving them in a precarious situation financially and socially. This is more about protecting the vulnerable than about divorce. Finally, Jesus says, don't just refrain from swearing falsely, but speak honestly and openly at all times. Hmm. Suddenly, Jesus doesn't seem so lovey-dovey and easy. This passage makes us squirm a bit. And it should. 
For what Jesus is doing here is not abolishing the law, but intensifying it and helping us live into the law more fully. We are not to keep the law just so that we might save face or avoid punishment so that we might save our own skins. God is not interested in a sin management plan for individuals. Rather, he has a plan for transformation into a new creation, the beloved community. We are to choose life, as Deuteronomy says, by living fully into who God calls us to be, people created to love and to live in beloved community where we we don't try not to harm one another, but we actually seek the good of one another. Not physically killing someone is, frankly, a pretty low bar. Jesus asks us to go further and allow our hearts to be changed so that we allow our anger to be softened, so that we get over anger and our pride and we seek to be reconciled whenever we are angry or someone is angry with us. We're not supposed to keep the literal knife out of someone's back only but also the metaphorical knife of cruel words and gossip we use that are killers of another kind. Jesus ups the ante. He ups the ante by making clear it's just not enough to follow the speed limit while the state trooper is watching. God doesn't want us to follow the law for the sake of the law, but for our sake, so that we might choose blessings, choose life, choose what is good, not just for each of us individually, but for the life of the community. In order to do that, we must interpret the law for our own times and lives. We do this all the time, of course. We do it in civil law. There's some talk about that right now with Supreme Court justices. We've had to wrestle with what basic rights mean now. What does the freedom of speech mean now? The principle is the same, but the application looks different in the 21st century. One of the founding principles of our Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That's had to be reinterpreted to help us live into a more beloved community as we realize that all meant not just white men with property and that men just might include women. Jesus is doing something similar here. He's interpreting, he's working the law. And how is he doing this? Well, I think he's using the greatest screen for the law that he got from the Hebrew scriptures themselves. Where they say, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might in Deuteronomy and you shall love your neighbor as yourself in Leviticus. 
Jesus later restates that when he's asked by a lawyer, teacher, which commandment is in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, we are to follow the law. It's been given for our good. And the law is always read through love. Love of God. Love of neighbor. Jesus seems to be saying here, it's not enough to follow the letter of the law. You must follow the love of it. And we aren't following the love of the law. We aren't creating beloved community when anger and judgment reign, when women or anyone is objectified, when we don't keep our promises. In Deuteronomy, God offers his people life or death, blessings or curses. Choose life, God begs. Choose life. Jesus knows that life comes through following the law given by God, the law interpreted through love. So choose life. Whenever, whenever you consider your actions or your speech, whenever you ponder and try to follow the rules of church and society and you try to follow them, interpret them all through love, look at them and ask, is this for life? Does it give life? Is it about love? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.